Hi, welcome to Here to Then, hosted by Carolyn Takeda, former attorney, current small groups pastor, and life coach. Through monthly conversations with pastors, authors, and guests, we hope to stir your thoughts and encourage you to move from where you are to where you want to be, in your personal life, in your leadership, or in your ministry. Years ago, I heard a leadership axiom that resonated with me and is so true, especially for small groups ministries. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. As small group point leaders, we probably understand more than most the importance of building relationships. And obviously, groups cannot happen without leaders and members. But what about the ministry as a whole? It can be really tempting for us to try to do everything on our own rather than to take the time and energy to recruit and build a leadership team that would help us move our ministry to the next level. So whether you're in a small church or a big church, we all need a variety of people, and we need a team to help our ministries thrive and to grow. So today we're going to talk about what kind of people you need on your team and how you can recruit them to join you. With me on the program today is an amazingly gifted recruiter, um, and the proof is not just the huge impact he has had in his day job as a small groups pastor at Saddleback Church since 1998, but his leadership of the small group network. And of course, I'm talking about um, Steve Gladen. Hi, Steve. Thanks for being on the program. Hey, Carolyn. Always fun to be with you. Of course, many of us know Steve Gladen, who has been the small groups pastor at Saddleback Church since 1998. He's the author of Small Groups with Purpose and Leading Small Groups with Purpose. And he recently released his third book, Planning Small Groups with Purpose, um, which is a practical guide to designing a healthy small groups ministry. And we'll talk with Steve about that a bit later in the program. Steve also founded the Small Group Network over 10 years ago with only a dozen small group point leaders and has built this wonderful global network that serves thousands of churches by recruiting one person at a time to join this team and to serve the kingdom together. So Steve is going to talk with us about 10 things to consider when recruiting a team. But before we launch into the first one, Steve, would you clarify what you mean when we talk about recruiting team members? Um, first of all, what do you mean by a team? Well, I mean, one of my, I, have, I have three interview questions, and one of them is, uh, did you play an organized sport? And, and that's <laughs> so important because uh Team is a vital aspect to what you're trying to do because there's no small group point person out there who has all the the gift sets to make this ministry happen. But I didn't. Uh, I, I never played in organized sports, Steve. So I'm already disqualified. <laughs> uh, well, it's not that you're disqualified. It just tells me that you know what well, it's this. It this helps <laughs> that us I was know a there might be other things. There might be other <laughs> things that we because we all can grow. We can all grow. It's just, it helps me know where I'm starting from. But uh, part of that is in teams uh, that you've been on, you realize you're not the the center of attention. You realize that you need other people around you. And sometimes that's intuitive, like in your case, Carolyn, or sometimes it's from (laughs) others of us who've got to learn it when, you know, because you play a team sport, uh, you you pick up those aspects that you're not the only one, but that it takes more people around you that have the different gifts to make the right. thing win in sports or make the thing happen in ministry. So what I'm, well, why this is so important is that because we don't have all the gifts, you've got to recruit people that can help you. And so often in small group world, we recruit people that help us with the, the health and the care of small group yes. leaders, yes. which is very important. Right. Uh, but there's other aspects that we miss because caring for the network is one thing, building the, the network is another. 
Yeah. And I think that's so important because the task is what's immediate for us. So we yeah. recruit people to do the task, which mostly yep. is the care and feeding and shepherding of leaders, but perhaps we neglect the bigger picture. And you would say, Steve, this is true regardless of whether you have, you know, you're a lay leader or you have a tiny team or you don't even have a team yet. Um, as opposed to just even a huge environment where you obviously need more, more bodies there. Well, again, you've heard me say this over and over again, that the Bible's built on a family system. And there's so many correlations because I have a tiny family, my, my wife and two kids. Well, uh, your dog. Yeah, and the dog. <laughs> probably hear that dog a little bit later. Um, but um, but it, it takes a village to help raise your kids. And so you need mm-hmm. other people around you. And I know from being in a, in a smaller church that ran about 150, there was no way we were going to know the spiritual health of all 150 people because it's not 150. That's what comes. Yes. But you're probably dealing that you have more people that come in frequently. So you've got to be able to, to know the health of them and also build the processes in place that help them grow healthy. And so it takes a village to raise a healthy church. It takes a village to raise your kids. And so, I mean, if you have a church of 50 and you only have five small groups, I can guarantee you, you've got to have other players that can help you. Your team may be smaller, uh, but you've got to have other people who can help you because you've got to build the processes Mm -hmm. to build health for your small group ministry. Right. And to clarify, you're not talking about just other small group leaders. You're talking about more systems and kind of a broader church uh, ministry team. Exactly. And so often that's what's neglected because yeah. what you brought up is that the tyranny of the urgent is help <laughs> caring for my groups. But what happens is, is we, we, we take care of that issue, but we neglect the system Right. which will really help us in the long run. All right. So let's go for it. Um, so what are the 10 um, things to consider when you're building your team? The first one, it's so obvious, but it's so true that it starts with relationships. Yeah, it's just relationship, relationship, relationship. <laughs> and uh, it, we have an adage when we talk about evangelism, you only win your friends to the Lord because, mm. you know, it takes time with them before, you know, you can talk to them about Jesus. And the same thing in order to, you know, raise your kids to be healthy. Uh, it takes time with marriage. It takes time. And the spending time with people is called, you know, building relationships. And so uh, the smaller your church is and the smaller your, your small group network is, the, the more relationships you, you've got to focus on. And, uh, and you can't. You don't need as many systems in place because you can do it all relationally, right. but you still have to figure out, you know, where you're going. So, and, and, and relationships just take time. And so mm-hmm. I, you know, with each one of our pastors, it's important to, to look through how many coffees are you doing? You know, morning coffees, afternoon coffees, how many lunches are you doing? How many breakfasts are you doing? You know, are you having people over to your house because uh, you've got to build the time so that people trust you so that when you speak the truth, they're more likely to act on it. So. Right. And I think, I guess, too, you, you don't know where the fruit will come from. Um, and I know this ties to actually point three, so um, I'll hold on to that thought. But the idea, well, let's just go there because it naturally fits. So we're going to okay. jump around a little bit. You're, you're sharp. I think we can do this. So it ties to the point that um, you have to put yourself out there, right? So you can't just build relationships with people um, just because you like them. But you kind of have to almost be strategic about finding people in your church that potentially could come alongside and be part of your team. 
Yeah, and that's you, you've got to find people that are not like you. Uh, and the problem is we like to gravitate towards people yes. that are like us. Uh, but the problem is your gift set attracts the same gift set. Right. And so, you know, the thing that you've learned, you, that you got to learn is that as you're building a small group ministry is that it takes different types of players. Uh, they don't have to be your BFFs and your besties or anything like that, but they are people that have to have different giftings than you have. And so I recognize my giftings and what, uh, I'm good at. Uh, but there's many things I'm not good at. So I've got to find volunteers in the early years, or mm-hmm. I've got to find staff, you know, in the more later years when we have such a, a broad network that I can hire staff. But uh, whether they're volunteers or staff, you got to have people that aren't like you. It doesn't mean that you don't have the same passions or anything like that, but you've got to I've got to have different gift sets. Well, so and then you have to go find them, which means you need to suggest it that we go network. But how about this? Okay, so you are a major extrovert, and you recruit. You could recruit, you know, anything and anyone. Like you're just wired for this. And having known you twenty plus years, I just know this is how you recruited me. This is how you recruit everybody. But what if um, our personalities aren't that way? As a listener, what if we're more introverted? What if we just aren't very good at recruiting like and networking is just painful um so how do you give any advice for if we're not naturally um wired for those types of um you know high people skills yeah you got to find recruiters and and ironically i i I tend to be a little bit more of a uh i i'm i'm very much on the line between the introvert and extrovert but i I mean you're right i I, i'm I'm probably a little bit more tenacious than most Um, but um but yeah, so whatever you're not, then you, you've got to find that. And and the thing is, there are people you can go out there and say that are just as passionate in your church, but they're they're the ones that they they thank you for that. And when mm. when you find people doing what they love to do, recruiters love to recruit. Uh, then you you just turn them loose on what you're trying to find and the profile. And you just got to work the ministry a different way. So mm, it's just finding people you're not. So if you're more of an introvert, find the extroverts. They're not hard to find. Just go to any party and you'll see them. In the front <laughs> center. This is true. Um, that's a really good word. Because even if in that piece of it, you can find someone to, to help the ministry along. All right. So now we're going back to point two. Um, you have to look into the future. So for that, Steve, are you talking like six months, one year, two years, five years? Like what's the time frame um, that we need to pay attention to? Well, one of the reasons why I love following collegiate sports is that uh, those coaches are amazing because they're looking two years, they're looking at sophomores and juniors in high school to recruit as freshmen in college. And so they're out looking at the terrain. And the way that translates in the church world is when you're recruiting people, you're never, uh, not never, rarely (laughs) will you get a yes the first time. And so mm. I'm always planning to hear no about nine times Wow! Uh, because, because, you know, you know, it just softens over time and mm. y- you may ask them two years ago uh, and they couldn't do it because of, you know, right, something else's, right. you know, stage of life, a business right. transition, something like that. But what happens is, is when you get the yes, it is never the first conversation. And so you've got to throw lots of seed down. I love First uh, Corinthians 3 when Paul's talking about evangelism. He says, some plant, some water, and it's the Lord that brings the harvest. And there's so many transferable principles from evangelism to recruiting because you know, you got to plant the seed. And you go, 
like you, you were saying, I might not be a seed planter, but someone's got to plant mm-hmm. the seeds. Someone's got to water and someone's got to, you know, bring in the harvest. And so you've got to be able to, uh, you know, have lots of conversations with people and, you know, figure out. And so, you know, I'll, when I'm talking to people, I'll recruit like is like it's going to happen tomorrow, <laughs> knowing that I'll probably get a no, which is okay. Uh, but, you know, it, but it will come down the line. Right. But you just always got to be looking out there and just saying, mm-hmm. uh, they may have just accepted Christ this week, but they've got gifts that, that you're going to need. And I would plan a seed to saying, hey, you're not ready right now, but I know you've got some giftings mm-hmm. that the, the Lord is going to use to take our small group ministry to that next phase. And so, uh, so plan on hearing lots of no's. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about rejection. Uh, uh, but, but, you know, uh, on that side, I would go to the flip side of that and say, don't say no for them. Yeah. So yeah. often when we recruit, we, we almost build a case of why they should say no. And, uh, let the, that's, that's between them and the Holy spirit, whether they say yes or whether they say no. Uh, don't go, oh, they're probably so busy, they can't do it. Or- yeah, so why do we do that? I'm so guilty of this because I go, I do that thing. I'm like, oh, you know, he's commuting. He's so busy. The kids are little. You know, he's already involved in this other stuff. So he's going to say no. And then I take him off my list. Like, why do we do that? Yeah, you know, and I, you know, I have no idea why. Um, <laughs> well, I just want to burden them. I don't want to, like, and you're right. We shouldn't say no for care. them. I mean, if, if we're high shepherds and stuff like that, we probably do, we do probably just, you know, we, we, we're empathetic. Yes. Uh, you know me, I rarely have feelings. <laughs> so I, I, I'm just clueless about it. Uh, but You're tenacious. I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm trying to shepherd. I don't play team sports, but I wanted to shepherd <laughs> and make sure they're not overloaded. I'm trying to practice soul care for them. <laughs> I know. See, that's what's good about you. This is why we're a good team. Uh, but you, uh, from that aspect, is that uh, you just don't know all the circumstances. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's coming or going. And, and you're right. You do have to balance that. And, you know, the person who doesn't want to say no to the pastor or no to the leadership, you know, so you, get, you do have to balance all that out. But, you know, again, I think more times than not, we play to giving them a reason to say no versus having the confidence and the, um, the privilege that it mm-hmm. really is. Yeah. Uh, so when you're recruiting out in the future, it is such a privilege because you want them to stand before God and help them hear, well done, that good and faithful servants with the gifts that they've been using. So uh, I would start to look out there in the future, but also make sure you don't say no for them because um, they may want to help you. And who knows, they may have four little ones, but they may have two nannies and so or <laughs> au pairs if you want to go to the, the, the fancy crew. Um, okay. And part of what point four this is kind of connected to is – um, you need help selling your team. And I know that's kind of a, a very uh, business way to look at it. Um, so break that down for us in the ministry world. What do you mean? Yeah, and uh, everyone's an advocate to a different sect of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all run in, in groups and circles. And uh, I may not necessarily run in all, all the circles. So you've got to get people who are your advocates that you can let them know, hey, this is what I'm looking for in my team. These are the, mm-hmm. the players that I need. And it's just networking with somebody saying, hey, you may not be it, but do you know of anybody mm-hmm. in the circles that you run in that might be someone? So you're trying to find leads of people that other people may know. And I, I would even 
uh, I would be even risky enough to go, depending on what I was looking for. Even if they gave me, hey, I work with somebody that loves to do this kind of stuff. Whether they're a believer or not, I would I would love to learn from them. Um, I go out to some lunches with some some business people that uh, run run you know huge sales forces, and mm. this this love to learn from them. And you know, they may not know they're part of my team, but. <laughs> They're a great learning tool for me. Uh, but at the same time, you find some people that want to help you because of a relationship. Um, so you, it's just a matter of getting in as many circles as possible uh, throughout your church and mm-hmm. really throughout your community. Yeah, that's actually really helpful. Um, and I think as you build relationship, even on staff, to go to different departments and ask, um, you may know this kind of person that I'm looking for. Um, and hopefully there's that's enough brilliant. trust that they, you know, are want to see people um, thrive. And if they're not mm-hmm. in the best fit in their ministry, and then I, I do the same for ours. Yeah. Um, so along the way, cause they do know different people. And as you're invited, even with 150, you don't know all of them. You don't know all their skill sets. So I think asking those questions and people always, even though they say no, people always seem honored to be asked. Yeah, that's a good point. I and mean, you bring up a great point of just working, uh, inside your, your, your church circles also, uh, uh with that, because, you're right. You may know the names, but you don't know what everybody does for a living, probably. Right. right. Now, yep. that's helpful. Um, number five is if you don't have vision and passion, you're sunk. That's putting it pretty bluntly. <laughs> well, you know me. I'm just so, you know, so gracious. <laughs> By the way, listeners, this is a, these are rough notes I gave you. Ellen, <laughs> I'm glad you took them as literal, but you really are. And, you know, the, the Bible's very clear without a vision, people perish. Uh, or as we like to say, uh, without a vision, people go to another parish. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, I have not uh, heard that. Nice. <laughs> so, so it's going to be very, very important that uh, you understand people don't give to a need. People mm-hmm. give to vision. If people gave to need, every needy organization would have everything it would need. And so, but people give to vision, and it, people want to be a. a an intrinsic felt need people have is they want to be a part of something bigger than them. I want to be part of something bigger than me. And by better together, you know, they're making an impact in their church when they're a part of something that's far bigger than them. And uh, people love to be a part of that. So you've got a vision cast of what you're trying to do and, and think big, dream big, Mm -hmm. uh, because it's so important through, throughout, you know, you know, in the Bible, and you look at all the the great churches that we look at, people had a vision for what God wanted them to do, and people want to be a part of that. So share your vision. Mm-hmm. If you don't feel you have a vision, I would get alone with God and say, God, why did you mm-hmm. put me in this church? What what vision do you want me to do? What do I want to dream big about? Because when you dream, big things happen. But if you don't dream, then it, it just won't mm-hmm. it won't take root. Yeah, and I think we make the mistake, again, back to the task part, where we invite people to come partner with us in ministry by telling them what it is we need them to do, instead of looking at it as, here's the vision, and then letting them identify how they can be part of it and what they can do um, out of who they are, which is so much 
bigger and just much more enjoyable, I think, joyful. And it, and it, you're right. I mean, some people will say yes to the task because they are responsible and they want to serve the church. But for the kind of people you want, the team that you're describing, Steve, it seems like you want people who are going to give themselves over to the vision and the cause because then they're not going to count the cost in like, you know, how many hours or they're not going to feel like it's a task, but it's much more of a responsibility and an honor to be part of that. Yeah, and you touched on a great point there because part of envision casting, people find they, they feel called to it. Mm, and, right. and when you're called to something, that solidifies you not only in the good times, but also in the tough times. Right. Because, uh, you know, uh, part of tenaciousness, that, <laughs> you know, we, we've talked about so much so far on this call, is uh, it, it, it's, it's linked directly to your calling. Because your calling is going right. to tell you how long you're going to last. Hmm. Uh, because if you're called in those tough times, you will keep pushing through the ministry. And there's going to be those tough times. True. But you want people around you that are called to the same vision and say, you know what? Uh, we may be delayed right now, but that doesn't mean God denying us this hmm. vision that we're after. And so... Um, you just got to, you know, press on with it. Well, number six is very connected to the tenaciousness. I'm seeing a theme here. Um, push for commitment. <laughs> yeah. So it's not ask for a commitment. That's how I would have put it. Steve puts yeah. it, push for commitment. Okay, so how do you push for commitment in a non-guilt, non-manipulative, non-relationally you know, uh, relationally heavy-handed way? Not that you would ever do that, but I'm just are, saying. <laughs> are you saying those are all bad? <laughs> Some might argue that we want to push for commitment in a way that's maybe um, kind of without some of that baggage. I don't know. Yeah, I hear. Well, it's got to be shaped to who you are. I mean, you can't be something you're, you're not. But but my point on this thing is is uh, don't leave it open ended. I, mm. I mean, part of it is you know you're building a team and to say, hey, could you pray about it? But I'd love to hear from you on Monday, or can oh. I call you back on Monday? Uh, because, you know, it's kind of like uh, when a, in schooling, when a teacher, you know, extends your final and say, oh, we're not going to have the final, you know, Tuesday, we'll have it two weeks from now. Uh, does that mean I'm going to spend the next two weeks studying even more? No, I'm going to still wait to the same Monday night. Uh, <laughs> and I know that's where you and I are opposite. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> sure. But, but you go, it's a gift. But the more times than not, people, people know which way they're going to go. And so mm -hmm. I just, you know, it is, you've got to read the situation, and that's why the relationship is so important. So they see your heart, that when you when you ask for a commitment, saying, hey, do you want to be a part of this? Then they, they hear it coming from a pastor that says, I, I, want to, uh, I want to do something for the kingdom. And if you want to be a part of this, that's great. And so, I mean, that's why in every one of our classes, when I talk about the class system at Saddleback, we have a covenant at the end of every one of them because we want people to wrestle with is, do you want to be a part of this? And in the same way, I, I don't want to leave it open-ended and to say, you know, if any time over the next six months you want to jump in, but I, I want to be able to lead and say, hey, it, it, this is something you want to be a part of. I'd love to have you be a part of. But at the same time, uh, I know God's calling, you know, mm -hmm. me to find people sure. that want to help be a part of this. So I really want you. But, uh, you know, and they still may say no. Right. And if you really do want them, come on back and to say, I can't shake you off my mind. <laughs> God's, God still keeps putting your, my mind, your, your name in my head. Right. Tell me if I'm wrong and what I should do. But you just want to keep that gentle love 
right there in front of them. (laughs) I think that idea of giving them a deadline, that's a really good one because it's about timing, right? So, and the timing is between them and God. So I think um, I had a situation where I invited somebody to do something on our team and then they kind of avoided me for weeks in the lobby. (laughs) And then I realized it's because I didn't put a time. So I was okay with them saying no, but they felt bad. And and so they didn't, they wanted to say no, but they didn't have the the gumption to actually say because they felt bad about it. So they just avoided me. And so eventually I chased them down. I was like, hey, you know, are things cool? I wanted to decide. And it just kind of cleared the air because really I was okay with it, but it just created an awkwardness. So I think the clarity you're suggesting of giving them a time frame makes it nicer for both sides. And then um, I, I love the language you just used though. If if they say no, but you really like want them and you feel like God is calling them and, and you know, you like to be the Holy Spirit in people's lives, Steve, I know this is this is one of your gifts, <laughs> that um, then you come back around and say, hey, I'm still praying about that or whatever. And I think you're absolutely right. You can do it in a way that's very honoring and discipling of people rather than in a way that maybe is more pressure. You can do it without pressure really well. Yeah. And it's relational. I mean, in this little, you know, role we got going right here, you know, it sounds more transactional, but <laughs> really everything is relationally based. And so they, they know your heart, right. they know who right. you are. Yeah, that's great. Um, okay. So then fill your team with people who get you to the next level. Yeah, this is, this is one where I'm always encouraging staff because so often when we have a whole, we just want to find a name, a body. Cause we have and, tasks. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and, and I will, I'll speak out of both sides of my mouth. There are people that are tweeners that will, will fill the hole mm. and kind of get you to, you know, so, to that next, they may buy you a few months or mm. whatever the timeline is. But I just would encourage people when you're recruiting, ask yourself that question, is this person going to take mm. me to that next level? Or are we just going to stay status quo with them and they're going to fill a role or are they going to help challenge it? Mm. And, and, I understand that, you know, if, if you go someone who's going to go status quo, then during that time, I would say, hey, God, pray that you pray with God and to say, hey, help me find the person that's going to take us to that next level. Oh, like and, that. and that is part of, you know, in recruiting, sometimes you just don't get the, the A player every time, mm-hmm. but you just, you, but you keep the ball moving and you keep it rolling right. because you know, someone's going to, you know, come along that will be the person that will take it to the next level. Uh, right. But it's kind of like a parable of the talents, you know, just be faithful with what God's giving mm-hmm. you, but pray and be conscience, conscience, conscious, <laughs> whatever, thank you, the word I can't say, but be aware that the person, you need another player. And mm-hmm. so uh, always ask yourself internally and be gracious. Obviously, you don't tell that person that, but, <laughs> Like you've got to know what's going on. You know, and I, it takes so much humility to kind of say, um, and you have to be self-aware enough as a small group point leader to say, hey, I for this Mr. Go Next Level, I need some talents and skills that I don't have and that the team currently does not have and not be threatened by hiring somebody who's, you know, I think Jim Collins talks about the level five leader. If you're a yeah. three, most likely you're going to just hire a three, but really what moves you forward is if you actually get a four or five um, or whatever level you are, but just to jump it. I think that's so important. Um, Okay, so the next two kind of are very similar to each other. 
Um, you will make bad picks. I love the reality of that because I've done this. And nine yeah, is the chemistry development and passion that how important those, those elements are. So talk about that. Like with the bad picks, you find out there isn't chemistry. They don't share the passion or somehow they're trying, but they're like more filler rather than the next level. Like how, how do you decide how long to keep people around? Yeah. And again, uh, I'll, let me go back just to the first statement everybody, you're never going to make the right pick 100% of the time. Uh, I've hired staff, I've gotten volunteers, and some have worked, some haven't. And it's just, it's just a reality of life. It breaks my heart. I tend to focus too much on it. I tend to beat myself up too much about it. Uh, but, but it's just a reality. Sometimes, mm-hmm. it, sometimes it's how God you know, moves the chess pieces around. I don't get it, but it, it happens. So this first, first reality is just understand that mm-hmm. that's a reality. Uh, but as you're talking about when they're in there, a, a lot of times it, it is. This is where in small group ministry, it's both, there's both an art to it and there's a science. And we're talking about some science things, but there's an art to, to it because we're dealing with people. Mm-hmm. And you're dealing with feelings. And we are in the people business. And it's not transactional. It's not a widget. Right. And, and so a lot of it is praying about it. I'm not copping out by saying, you know, you know, just pray, but there is praying for the right timing. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of us are wired that when we see something that, you know, okay, I, I made a bad pick, well, let's get rid of it now. It's a light switch. Uh, I would just encourage you to be more like a dimmer switch. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> let's not, let's not throw it on and off, but, you know, pray for that right timing and you can reduce the role. You can uh, try to help find, you know, where their gifting might be better. I uh, may move them to it, may try to repot them into a different uh, part of the small group team. Uh, but there's also the honesty that's there. Uh, whether they're volunteers or whether they're paid staff, I, I try to tell our staff, you, they they should never, ever be surprised about what the conversation you're going to have mm-hmm. when you need to transition them. Uh, because you've tried, you've had conversations, you've, you've talked about gifting, you've talked about, you know, uh, performance. Uh, right. And a lot of times we only think that for um, paid staff, but it's also for volunteers too, right. because we're trying to do the work of the ministry. And if they, if they want a title, but they don't want to do it, then you, you got to have those hard conversations. But when the time comes that they step out, or you've asked them to step out, then that nobody should be surprised uh, because it's because you've had multiple conversations. So for the bad picks, I mean, just as a short way of saying it, how important is chemistry to you in terms of who's on your team that you enjoy being with them, I guess? Yeah. I, I mean, I think chemistry to the team and chemistry to me are quite different. Okay. Uh, chemistry to the team and the cause we're trying to do has to be there. Okay. Uh, chemistry to me, um, you know, the closer people are to my inner circle, the more I've got to have that chemistry with myself and, and just the way I'm wired, the way, the way I am. I mean, uh, you and I are opposites (laughs) in some ways, uh, but, uh, but you know, we would, we had had that same chemistry, even though we're, we're, we're wired very differently. Uh, but uh, I have a lot of people on the team and a lot of community leaders, uh, that are throughout you know, all of our campuses, and I wouldn't necessarily have personal chemistry with them, uh, but we all have a chemistry to what the main vision is of what we're trying to do in the network. 
That's a good distinguishing point. So you could actually have someone that you don't have to, as you said earlier, be besties with, but you have to share the commitment to the mission and the vision together. And then the tenth one is that team is only part of the equation. You need to have a plan. Yeah. You know, everything distills down into work. And, uh, <laughs> it's a stinky thing about ministry, but but it does. But, uh, you know, uh, Proverbs uh, 21, uh, 5, you know, talks uh, you know, but a plan will get you down the road, but hurry and scurry will will delay it. And and part of uh, what we tend to to uh, tends to be our Achilles heel is hurry and scurry tend to be so many good things in mm-hmm. our ministry. Yes, but when you have a plan, you do the the things that will help your ministry be great, not just do the good things to, to be good. And so um, part of that is you're the small group point person. You have got to focus on the priority that will get you down the road. Because uh, if you're not thinking about it, nobody else is, and they're looking to you. So That's you've true. got to have a plan in place. You've got to uh, have that team that can help you build those attributes of that plan so that, uh, so that you can have some, some concrete things that you're shooting for, that you're dreaming for, you know, you can identify obstacles that you can put uh, uh, smart goals behind so that you can see if you're making progress because uh, it's going to take plans that, that can help you, you know, make it happen. I mean, you, you see the analogies in building a house, you know, if you, there's no one that's going to drop money into a house without thinking through, you know, what's the plan of it? You know, what are you trying to do? What do you want to build? And so you're building something far more important than any building on this planet. And so think through, of, you know, how are you building a plan to, uh, take your ministry to that next level. And a great tool is such a great segue. The great tool for that is the book um, that you wrote just came out really recently, Planning Small Groups with Purpose. Um, and it is really practical. We basically, you work through a plan. And I, what I love about it is whether the ministry is brand new, like you're just launching it, or you're relaunching small groups ministry at a church, or you've been doing it for a long time, there's just a very practical ways to look at the strategic planning. And I know that's one of your strengths, the whole strategic piece. Um, and it's easy to kind of keep doing the same thing over and over. And because it's working in that well enough, but what you're talking about to take things to the next level requires, it's just really the work of sitting down, thinking it through, making the plan and then working the plan. So if um, for our listeners, if they're kind of in that place where it's time to reevaluate things and make some tweaks and and, um, develop a team that'll take you to the next level. I really recommend um, the book. And I think I just saw a promotion we're doing on our Facebook uh, small group network page that if you start a huddle, you're giving away the book. Is this, this is true. Yeah. Start a huddle. And I think it's the month of June. We'll, we'll we'll get you a copy of the book. So, uh, you know, uh, you want to be smart, you know, you know, work the angles. And so, uh, It's amazing what we'll do. So we, we love it. But uh, I do want to focus on that because uh, both you and I have been in this game a long time. And uh, it's not that you have any knowledge somebody else doesn't have. But mm-hmm. when you've been doing it for like I have for 30 plus years, there are a few things that go through it. And the, the thing I would just focus in on the book is that, you know, we those of us who've been in small group ministry a long time, the questions keep same ones keep coming up over and over again. And so having it in one place so that you can dial into it, so you can build a plan 
will help you. So, um, you know, I just encourage you, you don't have to have our church paradigm, but you do have to answer these questions because they're going to come up to you. So you just want to be ahead of the game, which is part of knowing in a plan, you got to have a playbook for your, for you and for your church. So. Right. And if you are part of a huddle, what the cool thing is you can actually share your playbook with each other and get peer feedback on it. And it's so encouraging because everybody, you're right, everybody's kind of dealing with very similar things. They have tried different things. So we'd rather learn from your mistakes, Steve, than make them ourselves. And so that's the labor of love of the book is you've done this, you know, it works and you're kind of guiding us along the path. Well, one of the other great things too, is uh, the network's going to be rolling out our uh, communities of purpose, which will be uh, huddles that want to take, uh, take their learning to the next level. Mm. And uh, we can talk about that more later, but you can go on smallgroupnetwork.com forward slash COP for <laughs> communities of purpose, uh, not for cops, but <laughs> uh, uh, communities of purpose. And you can read all about it and see what we've got brewing. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Steve, for your time. And if you want to connect with Steve, he's on all the various social medias and you can connect with him. He's also super active on our Facebook page. Um, You're more than welcome to interact and asking questions. Maybe there's more than 10 or you want to know more about what type of team you're building. Um, And he's great at answering those questions. So um, please feel free to interact with him on that. So thank you, Steve, so much. Always a joy to hang with you. And I always learn. You always teach me. It's it's remarkable. Uh, and it goes both ways. So, you know, <laughs> I love it. That's why we're better together. We definitely are. Um, so thank you for listening to Group Talk. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Here to There, part of the Group Talk Network of Podcasts. If you like what you've heard, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. If you want to learn more, make sure you check out smallgroupnetwork.com for more resources.